Hello, welcome to the official Annie Day podcast. I'm your interim host, Requiem, filling in for Proton Storm, who is busy studying animal husbandry at Southern New Hampshire University. We have a crack team of fellow podcasters today. First of all, the pride of Scotland, Doc Kev. Good evening. Uh, Annie Tay's uh, Canadian correspondent and number one apologist for Fruits Basket, it's Luigi. Hello, it's me. I haven't been here for a while, but I'm back. Yay. And, and of course, you watched a bunch of anime to get ready for this. Yeah, I watched. Yes. Okay. And of course, it's our friend from America's finest city. It's Ray Kaze. Hello. From Boise, Idaho? Yeah, Boise, Idaho. It's the nicest city in America. It's actually San Jose. I don't know if it, like, San Jose does not get enough credit. All right. So let's start out with some uh, housekeeping real quick. Not a lot on the website since the last podcast. Uh, our friend Dark Aether uh, dropped his anime playlist for summer 2021. Still waiting for Godzilla. So, you know, if you're into anime openings, and really who of us is not. Go check that out for his highly questionable choices. And of course, uh, very shortly, by the time you listen to this, uh, we'll have our seasonal collaboration article out on the uh, website. Uh, I believe it's 13 choices this time, so it's either a great season or we have terrible taste, one or the other. Probably could both. Be, could be both, yeah. It's almost definitely both. That's a pretty wild debate season this time. There's yeah. a lot of yeah, yeah. a lot of discussion going on. A lot of there was a lot of discussion. Uh, th- uh, we almost came to blows several times. We the thing that interested me about this collaboration uh, process this time is what we were arguing about. I didn't expect like Miruku-chan to be like the where the war happened. <laughs> yeah, that was like a that was like a multi-day saga. Yeah, you know, I, I was. It really didn't seem like a controversial show to me. Like when when we talked about Mushoku Tensei for the collaboration a couple of seasons ago, I knew that was going to be a, a knockdown, drag out, bare knuckle fight. This one caught me off guard. I was not prepared to have to write a dissertation on why the show was good. But Mariko Chan, if you don't like it, you're just wrong. So I don't see why there should be a discussion there. That's, that's what I said. That's on my list to watch this season, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. It's, yeah. What? I know. You're busy with educating the youngsters. Busy with them darn kids. All right. Well, anyway. It should be be like a documentary for you, Luigi. It's it's, it's all about stuff that happens at school. You'll recognize it so closely. (laughs) That would explain why sometimes the kids are absolutely cursed some days. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're someone your kids can see ghosts, right? Yeah. Or do they ever look at you with fear in their eyes? It's possibly because you're haunted by evil cat demons. Oh, that's better than the alternative. Mm. Yeah, or you might have a spirit like wrapped around you, groping you. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I definitely hope so. That's like my dream. Say less. All right, so that's all the housekeeping for now. Look out for that collab article. It's Hanete's finest work. It's our most important thing. It's our party piece. So keep an eye out for that in the, in the coming weeks. Actually, probably the next coming days, actually. Think about uh, it. Not before the podcast comes out. Um, oh, well, yeah. oh, definitely. At least a week before the podcast comes out. 
Anyway, so let's move to the news. Uh, we got to cover a little more news than usual this week because a lot of cool shit is happening. And my phone just went off because I forgot to is, mute it before the podcast. Is that what that was? Because <laughs> I'm a professional. I thought you just had like a soundboard or something and that was your musical sting. Yeah, that was, yeah, me dropping that was it. really well timed. It's time your, for the news. It was, <laughs> your, it was your stream deck. Uh, editor, please make it sound like that was on purpose. Turn the gain up on that specific audio to like 300%. <laughs> All right. So, Doc Cab, it turns out a really cool game is coming to the Switch. Yeah, 13 Sentinels, which came out on the PS4, I don't know, was that about a year or so ago, something like that? A little more. A little more than that. It's definitely one of the best games that I ever played. It's a kind of um, hybrid between a visual novel, adventure game, and real-time strategy. Uh, It's made by the same folks that did um, Muramasa, the Demon Blade, and uh, Dragon's Crown, and Odin Sphere, so all it's just fantastic games. Oh, Vanilla Soft. Um, yeah. yeah, Vanilla Vanillaware. Um, Vanillaware, that's it. So, yeah, they only seem to release a game every few years, but um, every single game they've ever made is just incredible. It's just really beautiful, hand-painted 2D artwork and lovely animation. Um, the, the stories aren't always that great, but the story in this one is really what sells it. It's, it's such a, a sort of complex, interesting... A sci-fi story that really um, is uh, it homages so much stuff from like like eighties movies like the Terminator and Back to the Future and all sorts yeah. of stuff like that. One thing about um, Thirteen Sentinels that honestly like still lingers in my mind is just how like every character you play as is effectively like a different genre of, of storytelling. Really? And and it's just such a unique way of telling a story that like you'll be remembering. Like remembering its choices for for ages, like Thirteen Sentinels. Absolutely, when it got the announcement for Switch, I was like, "Yay!" Now I can show it to more people. I uh, I was never gonna play it, so I remember I went to read a synopsis of the plot, and uh, yeah, I read it twice, and I still don't understand what happened. I mean, you might not even understand it if you play through the game. Damn but... nonlinear. <laughs> I'm like, did, did did the guy from Tenet deliver uh, direct this? But it was really confusing. But it sounded really cool. So it's really cool. Is it a game that like, so, so you know me? I'm not a big visual novel guy. Is it a game that a non-visual novel guy would like? I mean, it's not really visual novel. Um, it's more like, did you like like? It's more point and click adventure. Like your character, you walk around, but it's pretty convoluted, like time sequence wise. So, okay. so if you're like if you like time travel or like or sci-fi stuff, I think you'll like it. Um but um I don't know. It, it is long. Um so if you're not into like super long stories, I I'm not sure I could recommend it, but but I I think anyone could at least you know, get engaged with parts of it just because of how many different ways they tell each perspective. Well, our good pal Gugsy liked it, and that should tell us all we need to know, I guess. Yeah, yeah I mean, for the love of God, stay away from it. <laughs> Gugsy has straight garbage taste. Not like no, but us. If you like extremely convoluted, complicated narratives, this is your game. All right, moving on. 
So in in news of thing of merchandise that will absolutely not be abused in disgusting ways, uh, they're coming out with uh, quintessential quintuplets life size acrylic stands. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, these are uh, full size stands of each girl reading a book, which says it will make it great for book loving otaku. I'm sure it will. <laughs> Thank God these are not three dimensional. Uh, I'm sure they'll still be abused in some kind of disgusting. You know way. the danger of this. Is is because it's acrylic. It's like no, 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 no. Acrylic's a pain in the ass. Um, it's like somewhat like possible for people to afford. Like you, you know how like they have those like life size figures that are like a hundred k or something. This is like a thousand dollars. So like if you're insane, you can get it. But like you could also get it. So oh no. Yeah, it's one hundred eighty-one thousand yen. So it's about sixteen hundred dollars. And they're 170 centimeters tall. I don't know what that is because I'm in America. We don't use centimeters. That's but life size. Just to, just imagine, just imagine you are a girl and you walk into a guy's apartment and he has a 170 centimeter tall acrylic stand of a quintuplet. You take your clothes off fast or f- quicker? No, no, no sex will ever happen within 100 yards of one of these things. They just exude an aura of virginity. <laughs> if you're not a virgin, if you stand next to it long enough, you re-virginize. You you gain your virginity back. It's like gaining your humanity back in Dark Souls, except the opposite. I just I just feel like these were designed. They know exactly the kind of person who's going to buy them, and they're okay with that. Yeah. They also come with a keychain, so like. Yeah, I know bonus. That's fun. So you can have a small ver- small version, a small charm version of your life size cursed medallion thing and it, it can carry them above their heads when they when the inevitable quintuplet civil war happened exactly and yotobo will win as she always does uh-huh anyway moving on from that disturbing news so luge uh one of the greatest anime series ever known to man is getting more anime oh hell yes so Everyone's favorite, my favorite, The Irregular at Magic High School, which got a second season uh, earlier this year, I think it was. Either early yeah. this year, late last year, um, which was pretty great. Introduced it was fucking great, great. Introduced a great new character. Made um, absolutely zero sense, but it was great. Oh, yeah. You, you're just in it for the shenanigans. Um, it's getting a new arc soon, um, which is called the Reminiscence Arc, which I think is the backstory of... Tatsuya and Miyuki, the two main characters. Yeah, the it covers their, their their trip to Okinawa, which is when they got super close, like disturbingly close. So that's exciting. That should be really good. Um, it's covering, yeah, it's like the eighth light novel. So it seems is like it'll be kind of a season cool... of anime, like, or is it just like a movie? That that'd be quite a bit of time just a, for a flashback. I think it's a special. Yeah, well, because I know the seasons, well, there's only been two seasons, but they, they even called the second season Visitor Arc. So I think they're just denoting each new part by arc instead of by season. So I think this would be like season 2.5, I guess. It I, says it'll air remember. as a New Year's special. That sounds like uh, like one long episode, maybe. Yeah, um, so hopefully that makes its way over here somehow. Because my relationship with this series is fraught, but at, <laughs> at my core, I think it's worn me down to Stockholm Syndrome levels of 
that's pretty good. Like um, every episode is, is idiotic, but then the next episode comes, he's like, ooh, more regular. Well, and it's it does so much right. Like most of the characters are actually really great. Like it just doesn't know what to do with them at times. I watched twelve episodes of it on an airplane on my phone once, and I think that's where the Stockholm syndrome took in. I've never seen any of this, and you're not really selling it to me, guys. <laughs> you would you would hate it so much. Right. I think that okay. it was much more tolerable as a binge because weekly this was not watchable. Like the, the just the amount of exploration dump, information dump that they were doing early on was just What's what's great though is that the 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 endless exposition and info dumps don't make any sense. And they're always completely they just make this shit up as they and go. It's almost oh. like almost immediately negated because Tatsuya, the main character, can just cyborg Batman his way to everything. So it'll be like, oh, we have yeah. this cybernetic gun that shoots things that makes you um, poop your pants out of your mouth. And then Tatsuya comes in like, oh, well, that's not going to happen to me. And then it they just do doesn't happen. And it's like, oh, well, we'll never talk about that again. They do these 15 minute exposition info dumps to set up a rule of how magic works. Just so Tatsuya can, you know, nuclear atomic Batman Jesus his way out of it. And the thing is that, like, the magic system's actually really cool because it's, like, they code their own magic. Like they, Yeah, magic's like a programming language. But it doesn't yeah. matter because every rule they set up is immediately nerfed by something Tatsuya does. Yeah, and that, that's, like, that's the biggest problem with the series is that it undercuts itself so many times because I do think it has an interesting world and interesting characters, but um, at this point, I'm just in it for the ride. And I'm... Yeah strapped in and ready to go for this new season my favorite is still when they were in the like the school games and they're like flying magic has never been perfected he's like oh yeah well, i got this thing here i did fly magic like on the side while oh, i was doing my homework we also got a spin-off season of the show this year um that focused on the little sister's point of view which was actually really good had was a different it? vibe yeah, it was actually. I, it was I thought it was actually pretty good. It gave us because it most of it took place during that same school festival arc that Rec was talking about, um, and it gave us new perspectives on some events. And um, there was it still expanded. Of, it expanded the scope of characters too. So to remind um, you that there are other people here besides Tatsuya. Did, yeah. did their perspective involve a lot of plot? Well, yes. Yeah, the, that that show had more male gaze than the original season which was surprising considering it was from the female's perspective yeah the, the camera was an ass-seeking missile and for, Hon- and for honoka a tit-seeking missile honoka exists to provide a pair of tits for the camera she's also best girl though, so she's the fun. best character too that's what's like i always feel terrible for honoka because she's just never gonna get what she wants yeah i know she just gets shit on um but yeah that's a regular i'm pretty hyped actually i've kind of come around on just Liking the show for what it is. Yeah, so don't watch it, Doc. Okay. Do- oh, nope. Doc, you would you'd hate this show so much. You, yeah, you'd hate it. Noted. <laughs> All right. I do like Over. anime, honest. <laughs> no, you do. Like, I, I can't see you liking the incest-heavy magic high school with the nonsense magical system. Okay, nope. Just just big nope there. <laughs> it's well made, though. Like It's uh, extremely well, it's well made. Yeah, even, that's even the nuts. second season, with the second season went to a different studio, and both of them are like quality. I don't care how well made your incest is; I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I mean, 
it, it's not it's, like re, it's not technically incest since i don't think they ever screw no yeah <laughs> incest the best incest twincest anyway ray that, i believe you have some vtuber news that i'm going to pretend to care about Oh yeah, pretend to care about. Unfortunately, I'm not pizza, so so I can't like obsess about VTubers every five seconds. But I can obsess over VTubers every ten seconds. All right, uh, that's that's fine. They still get down to the uh, the minimums. Okay, so we have two VTuber related news articles. One is that the OG VTuber uh, Kizuna AI is is going on an indefinite hiatus. Um, <gasps> yeah, which was like pretty surprising to hear, but. Also not because Hololive basically came out like from the uh, um, pandemic and no one really watched Kizuna I like super mismanaged. Um, um, the apparently the reason is to uh, have future activities with the goal of further developing Kizuna I, but the uh, internet um, like clipped a bunch of stuff she was saying and and. It was mentioned, she mentioned uh, Metaverse and NFTs, like, a why she's doing the, of the, why she's doing the hiatus, so everyone was reacting to that. So she's going on hiatus for NFTs. Yeah. Is there nothing NFTs cannot ruin? I mean, from someone's perspective, maybe ruining VTubers isn't the worst thing in the world, but also, yeah, seriously. Uh... <sighs> Like I mean, I mean, we could we could live without them, honestly. Like the the Love anime thing, they had like an NFT thing on the side where they'd like sell like random screenshots of the anime. <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> it's like, God damn it! You're ruining collecting. You're ruining Love Love. Now you're ruining. <laughs> you need give me ten thousand dollars. You can have one screenshot of this incredibly mediocre anime. Ah. The thing is that th- this news really shows like how good Hololive's done and yeah. like listening to fans and kind of incorporating fans into the process of how their talents are developing because I-, I never watched Kizuna Eye, but as far as I know, it was pretty corporate the whole way through. And Hol- Hololive is definitely corporate, but there's like this level of like personability and familiarity with these entertainers that has kept them pretty yeah um pretty grassroots i guess you could almost say like like you feel pretty connected to them and it seems like part of the reason that keys and i hasn't been able to maintain her level of popularity is just kind of an unwillingness to embrace the fans and be a little more vulnerable i guess yeah, I, I watched a little bit of Kizuna and I like right when she came out, just because you know the novelty of like, oh, there's like an anime YouTuber that, mm-hmm. um, but it's like the content isn't like like the content isn't what you watch VTubers for. It's the personalities yeah, it's and the, the community and the entertainment. Like like Hololive, it like they use fan um like fan made like assets all the time. And they're constantly engaging with fans on social media and and all sort and, and, and in chat. So it's like uh, Hololive and and the others like the um what was the other one Nisanji 
and uh, Vishojo or whatever, they're all really interconnected with the fan base, which keeps them alive. And, you know, when, when new stuff comes out, everyone, it's like a big event for the community, not just like a new announcement corporate thing. So, so yeah, uh, Hollow Life's really done well in regards to engaging the community. And, and I don't think Kizuna I can ever really compete with that kind of thing. But, yeah, definitely needs improvement to keep up. And Hollow Live even like incorporates like fan theories into lore. Yeah. Like like stuff about all the characters like like Amelia Watson Bubba wasn't really a thing until all the fans started pointing out her dog and stuff and there's stuff like that for every um girl or every entertainer and yeah. I think that's helped keep them fresh and relevant because the fans feel like they're all a part of the process of making these like making the stories behind these entertainers, and and worth mentioning, we, since we're talking about Hollow Live, like the, literally like the day after, um, one of the Hollow Live uh, um, uh, VTubers, Amelia, we just mentioned, did like a whole presentation shitting on NFTs in the metaverse. So oh, it was so funny! It was so funny, and it was like perfectly timed given the the Kizunai stuff. Yeah, so Ray, you got some more news about Hololive YouTube, yep, right? Yep. Yeah, and it's related to an anime that was airing that is airing this season. I can't say past tense yet as much as I want to. It's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, but it's also like very creepy at times. Assassin very... Isekai. Yeah. I see, I, 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 and I'm, the I'm harem shit is really annoying. Really, I like. I thought their approach the to mom, harem the the show... mom is the worst. I like the mom. I think she's amusing. To a point. The, I think the harem element is actually really interesting because there was a scene, spoilers obviously, for, in one of the most recent episodes where like one of the girls there is riding with him in a carriage and she just flat out tells him, you know, the other girl's in love with you, I'm in love with you and you need to fucking deal with it. And he goes, alright, I'll, I'll look into it. And I'm like, more harem should have those kind of conversations. Yeah, but that's because she's a really great character. Not so much because the harem in general is handled well. I don't know. I just I like that kind of thing where they're like, "Hey, you you know you're in a harem, right?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, okay. I'll I'll work it out." Yeah. Anyway, uh, what's the news? Yeah. So so one of the uh, Hollow Live characters got a surprise uh, voice actor role in this anime. So one of the minor characters uh, is related to that character we were talking about. Um, you mean Maha? So, yeah, so Maha um had like a like a group that she like grew up with and now they're like helping her out with the shop or whatever. So so one of the th- those characters was voiced by um a VTuber Nene, Momosuzu Nene, who is everyone's uh wife. Wife. <laughs> yeah, everyone's everyone's wife. wife. That's her uh, running joke. Yeah. Honestly, like like when I I saw this before I caught up with those episodes, but they didn't announce it beforehand. It just kind of happened, and I think that's pretty interesting because, like last time that we had a Hollow Live anime thing, like they were <laughs> as their themselves, right? But but it's now just the pure talent of these of these uh, um, VTubers is getting them roles. Like like this wasn't announced; it just happened to happen. Yeah, yeah. it was pretty cool. The VTubers continue to take over the world. Doc, you you have a lot to say about VTubers, right? I know absolutely nothing, and I have very little desire to learn much more. 
Yeah, you and me Please. both. I think we're too old Please, for this. Let's move on. <laughs> I really, I really think that some. If you're over thirty, you might be too old for this stuff. <laughs> tell All it right. to Gugsy. I will tell it to Gugsy. Right, He's so, the biggest uh, YouTuber fan here. Yeah, no, no. Gugs is all about Korean, the K-pop, Korean dramas. He, that he is, he is owned by Samsung. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'm going to mention this, even though uh, I, me, and, and 30 other people who are who are kids in the 90s might actually care. But Ushugi Yugi is going to get a one-shot expansion of its original manga. Uh, Ushugi Yugi, for those of you who are above or below the age of 30, was basically one of the first isekai. This is back in the days of like them and El Hazard and other things, which were more shoujo. Like a girl gets whisked away to a magical world where many handsome men vie for her. And the fact that they're going to go back to it, even in manga form, and I don't read manga, but I'll find a way to read this, is really exciting because I do love when these old properties get a little bit of love. I used to read this manga back in, I think it was the late 90s. When it was published in, it was Viz Comics, uh, An America Extra, which did have quite a lot of girl stuff in it, but I didn't care. I liked it anyway. I never, ever saw the anime, though, because it never came to the UK. Um, but the manga was good. I don't think I know what happens at the end, because um, after a while, they lost the rights to distribute it in Europe for several years. So, oh well, I don't know. Maybe I'll find out one day what happened. Yeah, I think it might be on Crunchyroll now. Yeah, it is. I think you should give it a shot. This was a kind of anime I I watched with my anime clubs back in like junior high and high school. Right. So thousands of years ago. I'm feverishly looking at Crunchyroll just now to see if it's there. I'm going to be really disappointed if it's not. That's (laughs) what I saw. Yeah, well, it is in Canadian Crunchyroll, American Crunchyroll. Okay. Are those usually different? I don't know, actually. Oh, it's there. It is there. Oh, there you go. 52 episodes. Okay, I guess that's what I'm doing the rest of the week. <laughs> what, is Fushugi, what is Fushugi Yugi Eikoden? Is that the. Oh, the, yeah, it has. It, there, there's 52 episodes, and then there was also OVAs, and, and then there's also spin offs with another girl and another cast. Because oh, there's like four gods, right? There's the four cardinal gods, you know, the, the tortoise, the dragon, the tiger. And so each spin off is kind of based on one of those, basically. The the fifty two episode one that's the main one that's the original one that like if when I'm talking about it that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that definitely one of the one of the main nineties isekai along with like uh, Escaflone. Mm-hmm. El Hazard. El Hazard is coming out in Blu-ray in the UK soon. I'm going to yeah, yeah, that that dropped out here. Uh, I keep meaning to buy it. Mm. I, I don't think I ever watched any of that, but I always wanted to. It's a very different kind of isekai back then, though. You know, like mm-hmm. the. the it's more it, like it's shojo, so it's, it's a lot um, different than the modern takes on Isekai. There's, there's less, no power. Less shit. Right, the word you're looking for is less shit. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> uh, okay. So anyway, that's for the old. That's for the that one's for the old guys. Pour one out for us. Bushugi Yugi walked so Kuma 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 Bear could run. Indeed. No. Anyway, talking about shojo, Luge, I believe you have a shojo related announcement about a, a series that's no good. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't have any for series that are no good, but everyone knows everyone's favorite uh, shoujo classic, Fruits Basket, um, received a new adaptation over the past uh, two and a half years that finished earlier this year. Um, 
it was great in my opinion not just great it was like a top five or ten anime of all time for me i loved it a lot i cried a lot um but i guess they cut out an arc of the manga that focused on uh main character toru's mother and father when they first met so it's receiving a like a prequel film um called fruits basket prelude that goes over um toru's parents how they met and fell in love and all that stuff and it's a movie so i don't know if it's gonna come to north america but i'm gonna have to watch it and i'm gonna have to cry um they just released the key i guess would be key art for um toru's mother and father and they look they look like characters from fruits basket um so i'm very excited yeah (laughs) i'm very excited for this um Toru's mother's name is Kyoko, and she has a big presence in Fruits Basket, despite not uh, being physically there. So getting more on her is a really good thing, because um, the show has a lot to say about um, the presence of people when they are not there. So to get to experience this character in detail from their perspective is going to be really cool. Um, I'm very pumped. I mean, the West's access to anime movies has been a lot better recently than it used to be. So, I mean, we we got Demon Slayer movie, we get the My Hero Academia movies, we got Made in Abyss movie, we even got the Saga of Tanya the Evil movie on Crunchyroll. So I think if we can get that, we'll probably get this um, Fruits Basket prequel. Yeah, I know, okay. and I know Funim- Funimation was really... Like, I think they did a lot of work with Fruits Basket, like putting the dub out at the same time and just yeah. really hyping it up so i assume they're going to be working hard to try and get this um to our shores and hopefully to europe's shores too um well yeah so all I'm those very, sh- very all those movies that doc just mentioned they all got at least a limited theatrical release too so given fruits baskets overall popularity i wouldn't be surprised if it at least got like one weekend yeah um or like a tuesday on fathom events or something <laughs> so this is going to be really cool um Kyoko is voiced by Miyuki Sawashiro, who I think is a big voice actor in Japan. I don't know much about her, but it's going to be cool. It's going to be a good time. Wait, so you're not going to wait for the dub this time? Oh, I will. <laughs> I have to. Miyuki Sawashiro is a is is legend. Absolutely one of my favorite voice actors. Well, there, there you go. go. All right. Um, the good news for yeah. fans, of, fans of Fruits Basket. There's um, dozens of us. You. Yeah. <laughs> Show sucks. Anyway, um, <laughs> let's talk about a few other uh, uh, sequels and, and new season announcements. Uh, Shaman King is going to be uh, dropping some new episodes. It's so weird to hear Netflix. Shaman King and new in, I know, in, right? in the same sentence. <laughs> I know. It is kind of like, wait, no, wait. They're going to show the, you mean the old Shaman King? No, those are new episodes of the new Shaman King. Which, of course, because it's Netflix, they couldn't just give us all the damn episodes. I haven't heard much about this new Shaman King, other than when Ed watched some of it and said it wasn't very good. It, uh, it went through the story at an extremely accelerated rate. Because what, what it was doing was, was cutting a lot of the filler from the original Shaman King. But this, those, that filler is, is where you get characterization. You get time to know the characters and, and see their interactions. So when you put you cut all that out and you go 100 miles an hour through the story, you're losing some of that. 
I mean, it's still Shaman King, so it's still pretty good. I, I remember that that was Ed's mo- main takeaway. Because I don't have Netflix, I haven't got a chance to see it yet, but I'm planning to someday because Shaman King is awesome. I played one of the Game Boy Advance games when I was a kid, and that was my only exposure to the series. It's really good. It's one. Of the, I feel like it doesn't get the, the kind of long-term love some of the other stuff from the 90s. You know, people still watching One Piece, which I guess just recently hit a thousand episodes. Uh, get, but Shaman King was great. I feel like Rave Master, you know, that came out around the same time. I keep hoping that'll get some kind of redo. All right, so uh, the case study of Vanitas, which is about uh, pretty boy vampires and out ridiculous clothing, is dropping its second part on January 14th. You it's guys excited for more wow. Vanitas? It's more of a split core, really, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's really just a split core. I mean, the first half didn't have any kind of narrative conclusion. It was just like, mm. and our adventures continue eventually. Is that the show so... was very. It was okay. Uh, it took me a while to get into that. Um, really, I really liked it. Did you? I find the main character just really annoying. <laughs> well, I think he's supposed to be kind of grating initially, but that's why they give you so much of his backstory as you go through, and it's just like he's so traumatized. Yeah. That that's the shell he's putting forward so he can survive. I can't remember anything about his backstory because it had such little effect on me. Maybe I'm just dead inside. I'll probably watch the, the second lot of it, but it just didn't really register much with me at all. Did you like it, Rock? Thanatos, I watched like the first three episodes. Luz, did you watch it? No. Didn't oh seem my like God. my kind of thing. No, I think you'd actually like it. Yeah, I thought I think it would be a show you would like. Oh, well, I'll put her back on the list then. It's just pretty like, and colorful, and, and it is quite fun, but um, yeah, it was okay. It's, uh, it's visually stunning. I remember I was like, this is really inter- interestingly designed, especially character design and like visual design-wise. And I was like, but why does this seem so familiar? And then I found out that it was created by the same guy who did Pandora Hearts, and it all made sense. There were some I'm weird getting... things with consent in it, <laughs> which made me get Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, his relationship with Gene is is it's very uh, edgy, but it is it is consensual, so it's it, it doesn't cross a line into being squicky. But it's really funny too. Speak for yourself. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, that was hilarious. Don't be a prude, <laughs> sir. Uh, also, very important uh, luge. Is uh, World's End Harem is is dropping the rest of its show because only the first episode ever came out on oh, January seventh. So I know that you're excited. Wait, oh, wait, my. wait! They're dumping it all? Uh, no, I think no, it's I just think starting. It's re-airing, it. yeah. Okay. It's it's finally it was supposed to already start, but yeah. an anime a story of such quality needs time to breathe. Absolutely. The show is re-airing, which means I can re-air my pants if you know what I mean. Uh, I'm just saying this is a show to watch with your pants off. Oh, definitely. In the dark. 3 a.m. You know how good a show it was is that that first episode is available on your better hentai sites. (laughs) So I've been told. Yeah, a friend told me. (laughs) So that's dropping. That's very important. Uh, This is interesting. Uh, Golden Camwe is getting a fourth season, but it's getting a new studio. Hmm. Oh. I feel like they've been doing news like anime in general have been like changing studios quite a bit because because, you know, anime studios have pretty long queues, like at least for the, the busier, popular ones. So like the choice is either wait 
for a very long time were Switch Studios, and and a lot of a lot of them nowadays are switching studios. Studio change for Attack on Titan worked okay. They went from Wit Studio to Mappa, and I think Mappa did a really good job. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean anything bad. It it really sometimes it turns out badly, like when High School DxD got Passion, Passion. and they fucking and they ruined, ruined it. it. But uh, uh. other than that, this one, Golden Camway is going to Brainsbase, and yeah, uh, the good. new the new chief director is the guy who did Defrag, so that is a good thing. Who was the studio with before? It was a Geno studio. Oh, that seems like a horizontal move. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I mean, this Defrag's a great show. The series overview, yeah, the guy running the scripts is the same guy as the first three seasons, so that's good. We get some continuity. We is getting a new character designer, though, but Brainspace has a pretty solid record, so I'm not anticipating this being a problem. Yeah. Yeah, Brainspace is one of those solid, like, B-studios. Yeah, I think that might wrap it up. Did anybody have anything I'm forgetting? No, uh, I don't think so. No. Oh, wait, there was one more thing I do want to cover. Is that, at least in America, basically at, uh, now all, an- all anime are relegated to Lupin, at least in his TV anime forums. Parts 1 through 5 plus Woman Called Fujiko Mine are all now on High Dive. So if you want to watch some Lupin, I hope you have High Dive. Only American High Dive, though. Not even Canadian High Dive. No. UK High Dive only has the most recent season. Everything else that's available is on Crunchyroll. Right. Uh, I hope that's the case because, I mean, honestly, High Dive is the, the you know, third son, the eighth son, the, the, the littlest little redheaded stepchild brother of the anime streaming world. Yeah. Sometimes they get good stuff. Yeah, no, they still get good stuff since, you know, I mean, Sentai gets good stuff. And given they that Crunchyroll... Yeah. And given and that, not, cr- go ahead. When they're not broadcasting redo of healer and things like that, yeah, uh-huh. they make some mistakes. They make some mistakes. Yeah, I almost canceled. And double down on broadcasting redo of healer. Yeah, like oh. th- there was a controversy, and they just like they ra- ramped up their marketing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like high dive is like there's a lot of good stuff there, but like the only reason to to have it is if you're looking specifically for a certain show. Like that's that's like. I, I'm I'm pretty ready to cancel it because I've basically watched all the stuff I'm interested in that's on High Dive. So. They yeah, used to I, get they used to get like two or three big simulcasts a season. Like they got like, um, well the big one that comes to mind is like they got like Bloom into You and yeah. stuff like that. Um, release the spice. Release the spice. Um, the archery Kyoani anime they got. Um, but pretty much for all of 2021, they haven't really gotten anything big. They got this season. They've got Lupin, um, and they've also got uh, Yuki Yuna, which is one of oh. my favorite anime. It's got a built-in fan base. That was a good choice by them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know the first two seasons weren't available to stream anywhere for a while. Um, Amazon had one of them, and Crunchyroll had the other. Then they disappeared, but now they've all turned up on High Dive. So that's a fantastic show. Amazing soundtrack. What's interesting about High Dive's position in the market is that with Funimation and Crunchyroll eventually going to fully merge as soon as it gets through all the, you know, regulatory nonsense. You know, it's going to be basically the only option outside of that conglomerate. Yeah, and right now and Retro Crush, which by the way, for the love of God, support Retro Crush. Yeah, I, w- I would if I could, but they, they won't broadcast in the UK. That is <laughs> damn, a shame. Damn them. <laughs> their their catalog is fantastic. 
I would spend all my time on Retro Crush if I could access it. <laughs> Listening, listen to this Retro Crush, <laughs> please. So I both, it's kind of, I'm in a weird position where like High Dive annoys me because it gets good shows that I wish were on the other two services, but the market really needs there to be another option. Right now, uh, if you have VRV, which is, you know, in the States only, so not everyone has it, but it's only like an extra two bucks right now. So like when the Crunchyroll Funimation thing like finally kicks in and, you know, VRV isn't a thing, there's even less of a reason for people to to have it. So so right now, I'm sure they'll get a huge drop off when when that merge happens, like because VRV and everyone else is going to do that singular service. Yeah, the, pro- the problem is that no market is ever served by less options. That's just really the way it is. Yeah, but even Disney Plus, they said they're getting anime. Um, they're they're getting what? the uh, the sequel to the Tatami Galaxy. No, that's true. Yeah, uh, Disney Plus is starting to reach into anime, which is good for the, for the animators or at least the studios, but it's not so great for us. I didn't know that. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. They, they announced four different anime shows, and, and that was the only one I remember. But there was like, kind of really Disney Plus? Okay, Disney now it makes sense. They, they're they're they need more content, you know. Mm. Disney Plus probably has the least new content of the major streaming services, like on a weekly basis. Well, it's probably just the case in the US. In the UK, it has basically all of the stuff that's also on Hulu. So, um, right, right, because Hulu is America only. Yeah, because Disney Plus has got an absolute shit ton of content now. Um, just like it's, it's just unbelievable. They've got all of Fox's old things as well. So, if you want to watch like the X Files and you know, stuff like that, it's got every single episode. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah, could get yeah. by. It you has... could get by. You could get by just having Disney Plus, and you'd never run out of stuff to watch. Now, yeah, yeah. I mean, as they're, long they're... as you're outside the U.S. <laughs> yeah, it's it's catalog is deep and varied. I'm just saying, like as opposed mm-hmm. to creating new content, it it trails a little behind stuff like Netflix or yeah, even Hulu to a certain degree. Well, who watches all the new Max. stuff on Netflix? It's just an avalanche of mediocre shite on Netflix. I don't watch any new stuff on Netflix anymore, apart from if Hot there's got anime on it. Yeah. Doc hates Netflix. That's the title of the anime of this uh, episode. Oh. <laughs> Netflix, more like net shit. Yeah. I, See that I, I feel like you could. I feel like you could have tried harder on that one. No. I... Shit Netflix, flicks. more like net fluke. <laughs> well, I'm not sure if that was better. More like net fuck. There we go. Anyway, let's move on we'll to. There. A little discussion of the current shows. Uh, one of us doesn't watch anime anymore, so it makes I, it a little harder. But you know, you're, you are watching uh, Jahi, Luge. Why don't you uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm slowly catching up on Jahi. I was, I'd kept up with it all summer and then just fell behind as one does when things get busy. But I spent most of this weekend catching up, and man, that show is so funny um, and so wholesome. It is like really quite heartwarming at many points. Um, I argued for it to get on the collab, um, and it did. So that was fun. Um, it's just it's just a really good time, um, and I think it's just gotten better and better as it's gone on. And kind of because those first few episodes started out a little mean spirited. Um, they take a lot of pot shots at poor Jahi, but um, as it's gone on, they've kind of even things out and she's getting her getting her small victories here and there and finding the love and support she needs and I'm just really, really enjoying it. 
Have yeah, you caught of... right up? Pardon me? Have you caught right up with it yet? No, I'm still two, two or three episodes behind. Okay. Hmm. It, it does start to develop something of a plot in its own special Jahi way. Oh, <laughs> you boy. Look out for that. Yeah, I, I agree. It always reminded me a little bit of Nagatoro. Is that it started out with like this really yeah. kind of mean kind of humor, and then it got wholesome as it went along. Yeah. It's, like, it's her not... relationship with her landlord is, is fucking hysterical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and little There's Kokoro. There's an episode where, she, where mm. she moves in with her. I, I, I was dying the whole time. And little Kokoro is just heartwarming and cute and adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard no, to make kid characters not annoying, and they managed to do it. Yeah. That, that show just it makes me laugh several times every week. It's just so sweet. Um, and the voice actress for Jahi just puts in the work. Holy, yeah, she is I, I think, outstanding. I, I think I probably need to pick it up again because um, I dropped it because I thought the first like 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 you mentioned it was mean spirited. I didn't really I wasn't there for that humor. That like I, I was looking for like a nice cute time that had a little bit of bullying but was deserved bullying. Um, you so, kind of gotta get past the first Rouge episodes before it really yeah. hits its stride. Um, it, so most most of the bad stuff that happens to Jahi happens because she brings it on herself. Yeah, um, yeah, it's but, it's her her own hubris is her downfall. But those early episodes, like you can tell, the writing is still trying to trying to find its footing, like what kind of show it wants to be. But it's really settled into a good rhythm that is really quite enjoyable. Yeah, Ray, yeah. You, you need to get to where they introduce you know Kokoro and and the magical girl because that's when it really picks up. Yeah, mm. at the, you at know the beginning what episode, I think I got through like three or. F- I think it was only like five or six. Yeah, you, five. You really six, need to get seven. through a couple more. Yeah, Jahi's not a, such a horrible person anymore because at the beginning she really isn't very nice at all, but she does mature. She gets on and she starts to actually care about other people, and she, you know, when, when other other characters are like upset, she tries to make them feel better which if you look back at what she was like at the beginning of the show she was completely selfish so there, there's been quite a bit of character development with her and it's been reasonably subtle and i really like that about the show yeah, it's it's nice that it hasn't stayed like stagnant like as some mm. of these comedies tend to do like there's been a definite progression if not in plot then at least in character especially yeah. in the relationships and in jahi herself which is Really fun. Her relationship with Druge is very funny. I think that's funny too, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kana Hanazawa, or however you say her name, really sells Druge as just freaking off her rocker. <laughs> <laughs> Druze has issues. Oh, just a couple. Yeah, but you know what? She's um, very successful, so. Yeah, you gotta develop your characters or the joke gets stale so that they manage to avoid that particular pitfall. So that's good. So adult adult Jahi is a baddie, and that's nice. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm not gonna delve deeper into that one. <laughs> uh, my favorite my favorite single moment in that is still when she got pulled over by the police because her outfit was too outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they'll ever surpass surpass that particular joke. So uh, here's a, there's another show. Uh, you're not watching it yet, or you got one episode in, Luge, but uh, you can jump in with us. Is a uh, faraway paladin. It's really you good. S- the, well, the first episode was 
really good. It it reminded me um, similar vibes to something like Mushoku Tensei, where um, like we're starting as a kid in a new world. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of visual similarities too, like and 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 skills in developing the world around it to make it feel lived in. It's just it's like a lot of people say it's Mushoku Tensei without the creepy elements. Yeah, one thing I will say though is even in that first episode. I didn't think it needed to be an isekai. Maybe that comes in later, but in this first episode, I'm like, oh, I didn't know this was an isekai. It's basically just it a character trait. Like, it's it's not really relevant. So it just yeah. it really just explains how he got to where he was and why he doesn't know the world around him. That's like, it, as it goes on, it becomes even less relevant. Yeah, which is oh, not to bring up Mushoku Tensei, but that's something I like about that show is that the fact that it's an isekai is like always relevant. Um. But back to Faraway Paladin. No, that first episode was very engaging. It does a good job of hooking you in. The the core trio, uh, Ske- Skeleton Man and like the, like the, the I don't remember their names, but they are Mary very blood. They are very funny. Um, I hope they stick around. Because we we see we time. see a flashback in a later episode of them, and it made me really want a spinoff of those three guys as like their past when they were still alive. Because I really think that'd be a great show on its own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely would. You, like, give just me... like the chemistry they have between the three is is definitely worth like is good enough to make a whole show about them. I mean, it, it's flawless. Like you give me the the, the traveling adventures of, of of Gus and Blood and Mary, and I I will watch that. So, uh, Ray and Doc, what do you think of where the show is now? I haven't seen the the latest episode, but but I think when when other characters finally get introduced, you can really get the the D and D vibe. Mm. I think it's it, definitely going for that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it feels like he's building a party. Like they just introduced two new characters, one of whom is a little halfling bard, and she is adorable. Yeah, like totes adorbs, as the children say. I I don't really know where the show's going now. It it seems the last couple of episodes have been a bit more just kind of generic fantasy. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm not quite sure if it's going to hold my attention. But so far it's been all right. Um, I I find the whole sort of religion and sort of goddess and the fact that he's like a kind of traveling priest warrior thing quite interesting. Um, because yeah. it looks like it might be his role to kind of reintroduce that particular faith into the world that's forgotten it and it's like oh well that that's interesting yeah i so, love that part of it i love it yeah i'm gonna stick with it definitely integrating the gods into the world is that's very D and it's really cool i love that they keep calling him like you're like a warrior priest and i'm like you mean like a paladin just say <laughs> the word just say the word for god's it's in the title for god's sake <laughs> But hey, I mean, if a guy shows up, says he worships a goddess, and then he can, like, you know, use ridiculous abilities and, like, heal the undead, I'd believe him, too. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, let's sign me up. Grace feel, let's go. Yeah, you're right, though, that the plot, where the plot is going is a good question, because it's gotten kind of episodic. But I have a feeling we're, we're right on the cusp of some major stuff. Yeah, yeah, because because the the earlier bit kind of felt the same way, but but then they super ramped it up. But it's, it's a little weird how how aimless it was, given how strong um you know episode five was. Yeah, I think it's just you know they, they, 
he was wandering and trying to find his way. Yeah. But they're already, you can already see them setting up. Like they're telling you about the political situation in the two continents and mm-hmm. the situation religious wise uh, that they're all just setting up future conflicts for him to run into. You can already see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we talked about it for a second there. So let's talk about Mushoku Tensei. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested because both Doc and Luge are, you've also read the LNs. Yeah. I mean, Luigi's read a lot more than I have. And um, I only just started reading them recently. So I'm up to halfway through volume four, which takes us up to sort of the first couple of episodes of this sort of second season, as it were. And those those light novels are really good. They, they're so easy to read. And they do give quite a lot of extra information that the TV show just wouldn't be able to do. But it also shows just what a fantastic adaptation it is. Um, I mean, that's such a skillful adaptation, how they've managed to distill these whole novels just into a few episodes. And just the detail they've put into the surrounding world um, it is possibly the best, like, an adaptation of pre-existing material I think I've probably ever seen in any um any medium whatsoever it's yeah, just like, it's, it's still good like i think i think back to like the early episodes of season one was Ru- when rudy was learning about the magic system um mm. and the how they explain it in the light novel is admittedly like quite a few pages of rudy figuring things out and a, like a bit of an expedi- uh, exposition dump and they mm. get they get that all across in the anime and like a few scenes in a thirty seconds, which is quite amazing. Um, I Those was, scenes were great too because they made perfect sense. Yeah, um, like the way they explain magic basically is like a muscle or your mana as like a muscle you work out, which is like kind of unique actually. Um, I was caught up to where the anime is before season one started. I started reading the LNs as soon as they were translated into English. Um, and we're in currently what I think is the best arc in the anime. Um, I don't know exactly where we are. Um, are we past the Paul stuff? He just he just finished meeting his dad. Yeah, yeah. He so just found at... he just found his spoilers obviously. He just found the maid and his half sister and Aisha, who's yeah. like, just adorable. She's yeah, fucking she great. Yeah. I loved her. <laughs> um, she's like she's fucking like smart as hell. And so the the LN, the light novels are actually structured quite well for an anime. Um, the arc that follows this one would make for a perfect movie, like similar to kind of how the Maiden Abyss movie did it or yeah. Demon Slayer. It's like this perfect one arc that would fit well um, into yeah, an several and a half people movie. like you who have who have read the LNs or keep talking about like the next bit that's coming is going to be really good. Yeah, like I, I think the the arc or the light novel they adapted with the Paul stuff, um, and the one that I think should be adapted into movie are the best of the uh, of the series thus far. Um, the stuff they're in in the light novels right now is kind of hit and miss for me, um, but there's some interesting stuff. It's like totally different vibes than what's come before, but I'm still really liking it. Um, and like Doc said, the LNs are so well written because they're so stupidly simple and yeah. big t- big text and you just fly through like 100 pages and not very long and they're yeah, 
And I've been reading them digitally because it's impossible to get the actual printed copies at the moment because of paper shortages. They're unable to reprint anything that's sold out. So I've been reading them on an iPad screen. And each book's about, I don't know, about 220, 230 pages long. So it doesn't take that long to read. So you sit down, maybe depending on your reading speed, two and a half, three hours, something like that. Um, maybe a bit longer if you're a bit slower, but... Um, yeah, it's it's really good just to sort of set aside an evening and just sit and immerse yourself in this in this world. And it's incredibly well described. It's got a really good logic to it, um, and there's just lots of different types of people with different beliefs and different countries and things. I just I really like this sort of adventure kind of show. It's a sort of a grand adventure. They go off and explore and meet all sorts of different people, and uh, it's, I just I just love that sort of story. And this really is sort of scratching that itch for me, This the anime as well. It's just so well made. I mean, even if it's not made into a film, it still looks gorgeous. Um, they've, they've clearly put a lot of effort into making it. Um, and, you know, every episode just rushes by. It's almost like just like five minutes has passed. I, it's, it's just so effortless. I was just uh, discussing that with someone the other day. I was like, when I watch an episode of the show... Like I, I feel offended when the uh, ED comes up. I'm like, no, it can't be over yet. It feels like I just started watching it. It just, it's, mm. it's so engrossing. It just flashes by. Yeah, yeah. So there, really, Go ahead. So I said, I'd, I'd really like to watch the show with my wife, but the thing is, the main character will just turn her off completely. At least at the beginning, just the whole kind of perversion aspect to it. It is a, a big kind of stain on the show. And I know that there's a reason for it. And it's about the main character sort of getting better. But in a way, it also it still kind of revels in that perversion a little. Um, and I just think for a lot of people who I think would have otherwise have loved this, that's just a deal breaker for them. So even though it's possibly one of the best anime this year, if not the best anime, one of them ever, I just think it, it, it limits its appeal because of the main character. Yeah, it um, definitely. It's just a real shame. It definitely has its strong detractors because there's some people who can't get over that element. And what I've been heard from multiple people who, like you guys, have read the light novels is that a lot of his internal development in trying to get over being, you know, a jerk and a perv of that nature is internal monologue that doesn't make it to the show. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The internal monologue helps a lot. But, you know, if I was editing this guy's novels, I'd be like, I think you need to tone this down a little bit because you're going to lose readers. Even just in the very first page of the novel, when it's talking about him not going to his parents' funeral because he's sort of whacking one off to lolliporn, I'm like... Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, the show, um, the show, and or I guess the series, it's simultaneously like really subtle and well crafted, but then it has moments like that where you're like, ah, oh, you didn't need to say that. No, you didn't I mean, need to say that. They could have said something else and it would have had the same effect, but now it's like, you know, I actually feel a little bit dirty for, for reading this. Um, and I get, yeah, he's meant to be a flawed character, but does he have to be flawed in that kind of really creepy way? <laughs> um, I don't know but, how it yeah. works in the light novels, but I will say that at this point in the anime, it feels like it's not emphasizing that as much. And he seems no. to have gotten himself at least somewhat under control. Though he usually does at least one irredeemable thing per episode, but still. It's yeah, not as bad as that's, that's still less than like the five than when it started out. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting less irredeemable as it goes on. It's it's definitely one of those series where like like Rudy's not the best character 
in this year. Ares is still my favorite character. She's oh. freaking great. She's freaking great. Um, I love her. Wonderful. But yeah. but it's really it's really the world building and like the setting and all the other characters and like the world around Rudy that make that have kept me reading because mm-hmm. it's quite well crafted and the novel's very good at like dropping like dropping little nuggets of knowledge without going into huge exposition dumps. Um, and I know you said you're on the third novel, Doc? Um, the fourth one, now. Like, there are occasional perspective shifts to characters that aren't Rudy. Yeah. Those are always, yeah. those are such little treats because they're usually in like a totally different part of the world. Um, mm-hmm. And this, this is, a, I guess, a minor spoiler, but sometimes they're characters you haven't even met before. Um, yeah. And you're like, you're like, who the hell is this? And then when they come back and you see them from Rudy's perspective, it's kind of a cool, almost like Game of Thrones type of like yeah. perspective shift. Like, oh, well, we got this person's perspective and now we're getting it from um, the other person's perspective. So well, the novel is good at crafting yeah. these intricate, simple but intricate narratives. It helps to show that the world doesn't stop existing when the main character isn't around. Right. There's, there's other there's other stuff going on in the world that he doesn't know about, but is going to affect him at some point later. Um, and I, I really appreciate that. Really skillful plotting and, and world building. Um, it's, yeah, it's really good. And yeah, those little extra chapters, I mean, they... they Clearly, they haven't been able to adapt them for the TV show because it just would it would detract from the sort of ongoing central story. But yeah, it, it tells you what's happened to characters who have been disappeared from the show, and like, oh, so that's what they're doing just now. And maybe we'll find out that in the show, like in many episodes' time. So that that is definitely a reason to read the novels because you'll find yeah. out a bit sooner. <laughs> and so, some of them, some of them are written like because the novels written like first person from Rudy's perspective, but lots of those extra chapters are written in like second person like they're like a tale being told to you which is yeah. like wow wow i'm being taken on a journey um, <laughs> and they're, they're 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 like written in a different style which is like quite cool i just uh, i just want more roxy screen time oh yeah roxy for life anyway we should probably move on so uh ray let's talk about the bullshit that's happening with 86 right now yeah, Jesus Christ! I like, like they they went too hard, I or something, because because there were two weeks of like not back to back, but like two separate weeks of like just delays and no episodes. So we got point fives, and then apparently next week there's also gonna be no episode because of a scheduling issue. So <laughs> that's three weeks of this anime that got like no episode. Jeez. It's bi-weekly now, essentially. Yeah, it's, it's been severe. It's completely derailed the momentum of the show. And delays like this, like the scheduling conflict is whatever. So there's a special on, it's delaying it. But delays like this are usually a bad sign. Because mm-hmm. yeah. like, we got a 17.5, which was a visual commentary episode, which was some bullshit. And then there was an episode, and then there was 18.5, which was a recap episode. And then we got one this week, and then next week it's delayed. And it's like, you can't keep up with the momentum of a story if you take every other week off yeah what i worry about is that they're going to run out of available tv slots so it'll be just like what happens with um wonder egg priority that final episode is going to be punted back about three months or something um or maybe even the the final couple of episodes or they might even end up just being oevs and not even broadcast 
I, um, I am also concerned about that. Sometimes a delay for the final episode works out. Like the last episode of the Blood Blockade Battlefront was delayed significantly, but it turned out to be fine. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you get that delay and that last episode comes out and you're like, what the fuck is this? Wonder Egg Priority was like that from what I was told. It was horrendous. (laughs) So bad. I can't see 86 being like that because it's based on a pre-existing novel. Wonder Egg, I think the director and the writer couldn't agree with what the show was even about. So they just screwed that up completely. So that that shouldn't be the case here. It's really annoying because the the show has been fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And it's just like... It's really the momentum has been killed because it's just like when it was weak, we what happened last episode was just right in the back of your mind. But but the two weeks is like, oh, I have to double check to see to see what happened last time. Oh, yeah, they went to that thing. Oh, that thing happened. And it doesn't it really just makes it all worse. How how engaging every episode is because it's like it flies by so quickly. It's like, wait, 20 minutes has already passed. And it's like every two weeks. That's just frustrating. I mean, I'm enjoying the second part much more than the first part because it's much uh, more focused. Yeah. Um, so am I actually? Because the first, the first, like the first half of the series <clears throat> is very much a man discrimination of war is bad kind of show, and like they're inevitably going to die and everything's bad. The second season has been much more interesting and much more open, and has investigated those characters a lot more. Like the fact that that they had the opportunity to stop fighting and they couldn't do it. Yeah, and there's a lot more nuance to to the social commentary that the show has. So yeah, making the racism a lot less blatant made it a lot more realistic. Mm-hmm. I still you don't know, understand the point of the little girl character. I just don't. She's get like their conscience, right? I um, think she's great. I really like her relationship with the main character. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, there's the the fact that she was previously uh, royalty. Which mm-hmm. makes her kind of just an important character in general. But then there's the her, her relationship with the the Kiri who's trying to kill them all, and then mm-hmm. her relationship with uh, Shin, our main character. I mean, she's she's pretty important. I mean, um, and I think like like Rec says, it's pretty hard to make a kid character that's not annoying. Mm-hmm. And and I think she really passes that because because she's a kid character who actually has a reason to exist. I find her annoying. <laughs> oh. I think she's, she's trying to be like the anchor for their humanity. Like there is someone who cares if you die. Yeah. Right. And that, that especially was poignant in the latest episode. Right. Which will be the last episode for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, this, the scheduling one doesn't bother me. The, the other two where they inserted a visual commentary in a, and a recap yeah. episode concern me because that means are, are they're having production difficulties that we're going to end up getting match and marching level like slideshow animation in the last episode. It'll, it'll be like a Gainax level thing where it's like cardboard cutouts. Like um, I can't, I can't. The show doesn't deserve that. Yeah. No. And the scheduling stuff, I, I think it's only annoying just because it came after two of them. Like if it was the first one, whatever. But right, yeah. If they had been had... fine this whole time, this wouldn't be that annoying. Yeah. But uh, well, we Hopefully pray. The extra time helps. Yeah, we pray that everything works out and it's not that big a deal because this show deserves a big Sakuga finale. Mm-hmm. We hope he gets it. Uh, so uh, there is a, a series of of shows called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I've never heard of this, but apparently it's a big deal. 
so I believe they dropped the new one with a female Jojo on Netflix. Uh, you want to tell us about that doc? Yeah. So um, this is uh, arc six, although season five, uh, which had just dropped on Netflix a few days ago. So they dropped all 12 episodes. I think that's just part of the season. I think there'll be another bunch of episodes dropped again in um, maybe another month or two's time. Um, so yeah, this, um, I don't know what it's like in, in the US, but Netflix in the UK only has the first three arcs, so up to um, Stardust Crusaders. You don't really need to have seen arc, arc four or five because this is um, Jotaro's daughter. So the, the one with the hat. <laughs> um, so his daughter, Jolene, who is imprisoned for a crime that she didn't commit uh, in a prison full of people who presumably are going to develop stand abilities like she has. Um, I've only watched the first four episodes of the 12, but it is already just uh, classic Jojo's insanity. It's just bonkers. Um, it's, it's brightly coloured. It's insane. People have got really bizarre, weird powers. They fight against each other in the strangest, most contrived but bonkers way. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I love it so far. It's um, I, I'm already enjoying it more than I enjoyed part five, um, which was already pretty good, but this is again much better. Um, so definitely, you should get on and watch that. Either you uh, guys watching this too? I never really got into JoJo's. Um, just, yeah, me uh, either, honestly, and I, and I tried. Yeah, it's just a little bit too hammy for me. Like, and it's so weird because like, like. I, my sister got super into it and it's usually the other way around like i'd be really into an anime and i like, tell her hey you should give this a shot i think you'd like it so so like i wanted to watch it so i can talk to her about it but i think like like the first two seasons i really didn't care for and then third season i just completely lost interest and dropped it so the first two seasons are a bit a bit rough um the third one is fine but it's too long um for me part four is by far the best one um it's just really really entertaining um but yeah i mean you, you can watch really any season of jojo without really knowing that much about the previous yeah. stuff to be perfectly it's honest. definitely a vibe i got um when i was watching it it's just not my thing well yeah i watched um parts one and two like honestly almost two years ago exactly i think and yeah. part one was okay i really 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 liked part two like on its own probably like a 10 out of 10 anime for me um uh i just haven't gotten around to parts three four and five yet but i do want to watch them eventually so it, jojo's one of those shows where like i don't think i can just casually sit down and watch jojo's i gotta like prepare myself um, I don't feel yeah you, yeah, you, you gotta cut out a, you gotta cut out a block of time for that I mean, I, I find like watching four episodes in a row. I was like, I was ready to to stop at that point because my brain was like dribbling out of my ear. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah. So I'll so I'll watch this new season eventually. Um, just know, who knows when. Um, it's it's already dubbed. So um, for some reason, I've started watching it dubbed, uh, which I don't normally do. But the dub's really good, and which whoever they got to play the main character is doing a really really good job. She does. She, she, you know, she screams really well. Um, there's a lot of screaming in JoJo. Yes, I, I've noticed. <laughs> I watched uh, the. I watched part one before they even got to stand, and I was like, "This is 
this is okay. Like the 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 pun names are are really amusing. Like the guy whose name is Ario Speedwagon. Yeah. That kind of stuff amuses me. And I actually played a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fighting game back in the '90s when I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. So when these characters start showing up, I'm like, oh, I remember that guy, old guy who yells Red Jaggers. <laughs> but for some reason, and I don't know why, because I love bright, colorful, ridiculous nonsense in anime all the time. Like Muda King this year is one of my favorite shows. But for this reason, I can't grasp on to JoJo's. Like every time I try to watch it, I just don't care. Mm. But I get, I can see why people like it. Like I get it. I'm like, it's it's so ridiculous. And at this point, there's so much continuity. It manages to do that really difficult thing where it has all this continuity, but it doesn't really matter. Like no, it, it doesn't. doesn't the more you know, the better the, the more layers to the show that you can get. But you don't have to know it. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But uh, if you're a JoJo's person or you want to be a JoJo's person, drop it, check it out on Netflix, I guess. Yep. I just want to make one quick note about a show that nobody, I'm pretty sure nobody else is watching. I hope nobody else is watching. Are any of you watching Fruit of Evolution? No. Oh. You put on the list and I was very confused. Like, what is the show? Yeah, I was hoping, I was kind, I was, I'm very glad that none of you guys are watching it because that means you still have some sense of sanity and taste. Uh, Fruit of Evolution is an isekai harem show that is pure, unrelenting garbage. But I can't. St- it's like it, I, I. It's the anime equivalent of going to the gas station or a Tesco and getting a hamburger. You know, if you go to Arco here in the states and you get like a cheeseburger, it like you shouldn't be eating that. But it, you know what? It, for some reason, you like that cheap garbage food. And that is what this show is. It is pure, unrelenting garbage. It has absolutely no shame. He, he he finds the actual fruit of evolution, and he turns a, a, a intelligent gorilla into a hot female human redhead. Then just a few oh, episodes ago, I read oh, like a chapter or two of the manga. <laughs> it's so bad. I'm assuming the manga is also terrible. Yeah, it turns him from like a fat ass into like a, a ripped, like good looking guy, which is already like terrible for people with body image issues. And then he turns a, a donkey into an additional attractive member of his harem and like they already did like uh they're already in like a polyamorous relationship because the other chick hits on him and his first gorilla girl is like yeah you're a strong male you'll attract many females let's go for it and i'm like the show has no shame and no redeeming qualities and i can't stop watching it all right are you caught up like you yeah yeah i've watched the whole thing wow i've never <laughs> stopped watching it just because every time it comes on I'm like, I should stop watching this. Then I watch it, and I find myself chuckling at its idiocy. Does your wife know that you watch this stuff? Uh, my wife judged me for this stuff years ago. Like, Good for her. <laughs> we're 15 years in at this point. If she was going to bail out, it's too late. Oh, okay. Does you just your brain just like turn off like when you you watch this? Like my brain runs in fear of this show. <laughs> his brain turns off, but his neurons activate. Yeah, like I go into like a fugue state. <laughs> it's i don't know i don't know what it is about really 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 stupid shows like this where it's just like it's <laughs> why am i watching this but i'm so amused by it yeah i i read a lot of trashy manga just because there's way less of a time investment like like you can get through several chapters of trash like quicker than an episode of an anime so so like i've seen it and like i i know what you're talking about though like Arco, I, 
I think that it's like the off-brand potato chip. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's it's like the Hydrox or the the uh, Costco version of an Oreo. Yeah, yeah. It's because it's like something you kind of want. Like like the thing with the the cheeseburger is is that um, you you would never really ever. I mean, every now and then I would get one, but I usually don't like go out of my way for it. Just like there, and I I grab it if I see it, but like. I don't know. Sometimes off-brand potato chips or something. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'll grab it. Yeah, it's something way. you probably shouldn't get and you shouldn't yeah, enjoy, yeah. and you would definitely never recommend to anybody. But you do uh, it anyway. Uh. Like, yeah. so, I, I can say I can't recommend this for the love of God. Don't don't watch it. But I think part of it is too. Like when you watch an episode of like Mushoku Tensei or especially stuff like Eighty Six, that's yeah. very heavy. Like uh-huh. it kind of sticks with you afterwards. When you watch this show, it's like uh, watching a kid fall into a hole and like climb back out of it. <laughs> like, yeah, you're like that. Ah, that was funny, and then you move on with your life. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's you, you watch it. You're vaguely amused, and it has no like after effects. It's like yeah. eating cotton candy. I, I tend to prefer like slice of life for that reason. It's just like because you can watch it, and it's not like impactful it's like it, it's an easy watch it's not like engaged like it's not draining on you so like when i'm feeling particularly drained i'll, I'll go watch like random seven out of ten on mal slice of lives and, and that's usually what like like if, if a season doesn't have a good slice of life that's that's really depressing for me but but like i don't know I, something about like etchy garbage like uh like say Val X Love, right? Luge? Yeah. Oh hell yeah. That's not garbage. That's top tier best. Yeah, John Milton's favorite anime. It's true. It influenced still, you, know, to... I, you know what's weird that I've still never seen that? You would actually probably like it. I would probably like it because I am garbage. Alright, so don't watch Fruit of Evolution unless you're a bad person like me, then you'll probably love it. <laughs> So let's get to the main topic of this uh, week, the big topic. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, get an, a text message at the right time this time. So this week we're going to discuss Mecca. Uh, I'm bringing this up because I just got some uh, a very an old Mecca show that's a that's big in my LMA development, which I'll talk about in a second. But when what's your favorite individual Mecca? I'm not talking about what's your favorite Mecca show. Or your kind of mega. What's your favorite individual, like armored suit or uh, robot or any, you know, anything that falls into the mecha category? What if you had to pick one or two? What would be your favorite? What about you, Doc? So um, I'm going to take mecha to be um, quite a broad category, where it's where you know a person enters another thing and pilots it. Uh-oh. Um, you oh. might guess what I'm going to talk about now. It's um. <laughs> Gleepnir. Uh, <laughs> I'll allow it. Which is uh, which was an anime from spring 2020, where the the main character Shuichi, um, bizarrely and inexplicably turns into a sort of furry I don't know it was like teddy bear or dog mascot or something like that with a big zipper down the back, and his um, his friend Claire, um, who, who's who's a girl with anger issues. Um, it unzips him at the back and uh, slips into his sort of 
moist, glistening, fleshy meat cavity zips yeah, back she, up she again. She enters him, is what you're saying. She she enters him and uh, and then then pilots him like like an empty meat puppet. Um, <laughs> and it's glistening just, it, meat socket. It's it's just so hilariously wrong. <laughs> Like you know, she has to strip off all of her clothes to get inside him. And yeah, she has to. And the like, animation of when she, the animation of when she enters him, is like disgusting and sensual <laughs> and, and super icky and the sound shiny. effects. Like, the sound effects are like next level. Uh, I finally, like, I should mention, I finally got to watch this show. I finally got around you, to it, and I, I fucking loved it. it. Just it's like so I was good. Would. It's fantastic. It's I mean, I mean, it's deeply disturbing, but it's fucking great. Um, the sound, the sounds like stick in your mind is like slurp. <laughs> but it's also like while while she's essentially penetrating him, he, he's like <laughs> he's like like blushing because he's being entered. He's basically pegging him, being entered by a, a naked woman. Uh, and, and I, they're both like I don't know what fourteen or something. So it is a bit kind of ooh. <laughs> Yeah, they're anime fourteen. Yeah, so they both look like they're early twenties. So, so that's fine. Um, so yeah, and and so she just spends her days sort of piloting him, um, getting into fights, and doing the sort of usual stuff they do in mecha shows, just wetter. Um, so I still love how she convinced him to turn into it the first time by pushing him off the fucking roof. Yes. Well, then she gets super, super jealous later on when like another girl enters him, and and instead of keeping on her underwear like Claire does, she actually gets properly naked. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you got you, into him without any clothes on. You should definitely always be careful when you have more than one girl entering you. <laughs> oh, season two when? Um, yeah. Thank God this isn't on YouTube. Where you get demonetized. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that would imply we made money in the first place. Sure, that that the, is the true. Best, the best Gleepnir, um <laughs> best Gleepnir Your favorite scenes. mech is a, a meat puppet with a moistening, glistening, moist meat socket. Not really sure what that says about my psychology, but there we are. Yeah, I mean, it's too late anyway, man. <laughs> Be less boring than your choices, anyway. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luigi, what's your favorite mecha? Please make it actually made of metal, possibly. <laughs> um, I went with a pretty boring choice, honestly. I, I really like the mecha designs in Evangelion because um, they're so not well. At least at the time, they're so not what you'd think a mecha would look like. Like they're skinny and tall and lanky and more humanoid, and honestly. I find them quite off-putting and scary at times when yeah. whenever unit one or any of them go like berserk and they're like their mouths open and they have human teeth and especially when like they scream and like their mouths like hyper extend open. Yeah. It's always It's almost like they're out. not actually robots. Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't um, chosen Gleepnir, I would have chosen Evangelion, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely um, in the same genre. So, mm. so which Evangelion model is your favorite aesthetically? Yeah. Um, the the purple and green of Unit One is really hard to beat. Um, from iconic. the rebuild, from the rebuilds, um, Mari's is really cool because it's bright pink. Mm. Yeah. Um, the rebuilds honestly have just some really cool designs in general. There's one that's. Uh, I think it's Unit One plus three, where it's like half. 
one mecha or half one Ava and half another, like split right down the middle, like they were cut apart and glued together. Um, I just, I just like their like the whole design philosophy in general. Um, it's just really, I think it's really cool and unique, and it hasn't really been replicated since. Like I can't think of another anime that's really well. I guess Darling and the Franks kind of did it, but they really like, eh. sexualized those eh. men. I don't I think be... it's, it doesn't give the same vibe, no. Yeah, the yeah. mech design isn't nearly as iconic in Franks as it is. Like, Evangelion's you know, units are, you know, they're very, like, you see them, you immediately know what they are. Yeah, and even just they're... the way, like, they handle combat, like, lots of mecha shows, like, I think of, like, Gundam and stuff, it's a lot of space fights and guns and flying around but almost all of evangelion's fights are like hand-to-hand combat and running around and um it's only in rare occasions when they're flying or like kind of doing like quote-unquote typical mech stuff um I i just think they're really cool all around um one show that has kind of a similar vibe, like like the uncanny, unearthly, alien kind of thing, uh, is a show called Bocadrano. Um, yeah, yeah, Bill's so, favorite. Um, yeah. This show's fucked up. It is really fucked up. But the but I, I do think uh, ignoring Sai, well, I guess they might be similar. But uh, Bocadrano definitely gave a similar vibe. They're not exactly the same, but but that's probably the closest aesthetically. The show's only show that might be more depressing than Evangelion. Yeah, I've always wanted. I've always wanted to watch that. It has it's, probably the best opening ever, and it's really engaging. It's yeah. Uh, it I guess be drunk for it. I I read the manga and and it, it made me so upset. I had to stop after a, like a couple of volumes. I think um, people I, who, if you work with children or you have children, you're not going to be able to enjoy that show. Oh, I, mean, no. I, I have all the volumes on my shelf, and they sit there. They they um, taunt me. I'm not quite sure why I kept buying it. It was maybe some kind of uh, sort of masochistic streak. I don't know. But maybe maybe one day. I don't drink, unfortunately, so I'll have to take some other kind of substance to help me along with that. Take some NyQuil. Yeah, lots right. of NyQuil. Okay. Make some scissorp. <laughs> uh, Luge, for the record, on the rebuilds, are you pro-Mary or anti-Mary? Oh, uh, the... 3.0 plus 1.0 made me 100% for. Um, I think she gives the rebuild some heart, especially in that last one and the, how they kind of yeah. justify her for the rest of it. Um, so I am very pro Mari. Okay, because I know that's a that's a inflection point for a lot of the fans of the show. There's she a strong anti-Mari content. Until the final movie, she doesn't really have any point, and then they kind of retroactively kind of give her a point. Like, oh, okay. yeah. I, I feel like if you watch three plus one and you don't like Mari, then you're kind of missing the point of the the yeah. rebuild. Yeah, she kind of becomes the heart of that last movie. Like she's where a lot of that movie's thesis comes from, which the I cruel, argued about the in my Angel's article. Thesis? Haha. <laughs> hey, Evangelion, we we managed to get it into one more episode. That's great. I got I got Evangelion and I got Fruits Basket. What else do I need? Yeah, you're not gonna. And we got Valix Love. Yeah, we got Valak's love. That was the important part. And World's End Harem. Which, as w- we all know, will be the anime of the year next year. Anim- anime of the decade. Okay, uh, Ray, why don't you tell us what your favorite uh, mech is? Maybe pick something that's not an, actually a creature that's being manipulated by a human. 
Not a creature. Um, so I'm a little bit of a history dork, and um, and I also like military stuff. So I've been very fond of mechs. Like, I, I never really liked Gundam. Like, I, I just, I don't like the storytelling of Gundam. None of the Gundams have really caught me. So, so I've managed to avoid the, like, master grade, like, you know building of mechs but i definitely have collected a, a variety of mechs over the years so there's a lot of stuff i was considering but i do want to narrow it down to at least two series but honorable mention i think valve rave has the best aesthetic design like i love all of valve raves aesthetically it's just it's valve rave so valve rape yeah Space vampires that's dex omega's favorite anime by the way <laughs> Valve for life. Yeah. Um, but but I do want to just narrow it down to talking about two from Muv Love and two from Code Geass. Okay. So Code Geass. Um, one thing about Code Geass that its mechs are a little bit special is is throughout the show, like the the evolution of the mechs is insane. Like the power creep is very visible. And and the the character, I mean, the mechs get more and more complex. So even if you like one mech, there's like five variations of the mech. So good luck, have fun buying mechs. Um, my favorite from Code Geass is the Guren, uh, just because of how important it is in the show and like just its red design with a giant claw. It just always seems super cool to me, and and the fact that it. I don't want to go into spoilers for Code Geass. I guess it's like 10, 15 years old. I've not seen it. Don't spoil it. <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, but but like the the way it ends up at the end of the show um, is is always something I loved, uh, especially when it was contrasted by the other main mech of Code Geass, which was the Lancelot. Like both of these would just leapfrog each other in an ability, and and I thought that. Their designs were just awesome. Of the two, I, I prefer the Guren. Um, I, I think I, I like uh, it's like group more, and I think its design is cooler, and I think its like main weapons are cooler. But but the Wenswat does need to be mentioned in the discussion just because of how they play off of each other. And in Muvlov, um, all of the Muvlov mechs are based off of real world weapons. Like so, they're based off of tanks and fighter planes and stuff. Honorable mention to the one that just got an appearance in the latest episode of Move Love, the F twenty two Raptor. But um, I have to the, the 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 two main ones are definitely the the Shiranui and the uh, Takamikazuchi. Um, the Shiranui is kind of like the the Jap- the Japanese like basic one. So it's like you, you, it gets a lot of play throughout the series, and it's hard not to like it just because it is the one you see the most. Um, and its design is pretty cool, especially in its different colorways. And shout out to Total Eclipse because that main character really loves that mecha. Like, like, like it's a little bit of a joke within the community. But uh, my favorite is the Takamikazuchi, which is like the. Uh, imperial royal guard uh one and is always an event when you see one of them and it's very striking colors and his design is just like it looks alien but it looks different special unique and it's 
abilities are just a step above the rest just because of how exotic they they spent like a ton of money pouring into it just because it was for the elite so so it always just makes a statement whenever it appears and it's one of the coolest looking it's absolutely one of my favorite mechs sorry i was going a little too long there though another alien mech that's purple it's not an alien uh, it looks it way looks different than every other sh- every other mech in the show. It looks very alien, though. Yeah. So you prefer more like military style design? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I I mean I love Evangelions. I have a few of them. Um, but in general, I think I tend to prefer the military ones, just because it's like I'm kind of I love computers and industrial looking stuff and like learning how stuff works in the world. So like it, th- that stuff appeals to me. Hmm. All right. I did like how the American mechs uh, had the code names that were the same as like fighter jets and stuff. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. What do you think of the mechs in Full Metal Panic? Full Metal Panic. It's been a while. Like, I I haven't seen Full Metal Panic since legitimately when I was in like middle school. So I'd have to pull it up. Give me a second. I always thought those had good military style designs. I mean, obviously, the, uh, the, um, the suit uh, for the mascot characters is absolutely the best. Um, yeah, <laughs> from Fumafu. <laughs> Fumafu, yeah. Um, they're a little blocky. They they kind of remind me of um, Virtual On, the like uh, oh, arcade God, Sega yeah, Fighter on. one. Um, and, I, and I think it's. Uh, I'm not on. generally a fan of like the simpler looking ones, but I, I think that Full Metal Panic. Um, I mean, it, it's mechs were never the appeal to me, personally. Well, yeah, they're not really the point. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best Full Metal Panic season barely has any fighting or mechs in it. Yeah. Yeah, because, uh, you know, as you know, mech design, basically, either it's a Gundam style where the mech is like a character, is like a main character, and they're special, and mm-hmm. they have a lot of detail. Or you get a, uh, or it's more military, where they're just pieces of hardware that the people fly. Yeah, and those are the two ways. I think I think most people like you break down to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, obviously my favorite is Tequila Gundam from G Gundam with its mech sombrero, and Absolutely. not at all the racist Gundams. Woo! Not not even the not even the remotely racist design. A zebra Gundam as well with its zebra and spear, which is not racist. How did they get away with G Gundam? Like I don't know. I don't know because it's Japanese. If it if you made that in America, they'd hang you upside down. Digital Candy came out. Also helps that it was from the nineties. That does help. Yeah, we hadn't quite hit the woke barrier back then. Yeah, I mean the the windmill one I, it would not fly anywhere. I love the windmill one. As a Dutch person, I thought the Holland Gundam being a giant windmill was hysterical. And and the the bull like what the hell? Yeah, the bull just did. looks dumb. Luigi, how did you feel about Neo Canada's being a lumberjack? I didn't even know that was a thing. Well, how do you spell it's, it? It's the best. G Gundam. It's just Gundam with a G in front of it. G Gundam Canada Gundam. Yeah, it's Neo Canada. All the countries are Neo whatever because they left Earth or whatever. Oh, look at this guy! <laughs> Isn't he great? He's actually pretty badass. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I I'm love it. G Gundam, I have to remove G Gundam from this discussion for my favorite because it would just be all of G Gundams. <laughs> Shining Finger? 
I Griffin didn't actually Guru. like G Gundam. But oh god, I love I love G Gundam so much. Its mechs are very interesting. Its mech design is outstanding. Well, like the 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 Neo Sweden Gundam is basically just Mecha Sailor Moon. Yeah, I love that it got away with it. But anyway, my actual favorite mechs. Now I've never, I'm not a big Gundam guy, and I I can't stand Gundam Wing as a show. But the Gundam Death Scythe is probably my favorite single Gundam design, like individual Gundam design, because it's just fucking cool. It's black. It has giant laser scythes. Duo Maxwell is the least annoying character in the show. And then, like, you got an even more badass with, like, a double scythe. And obviously a double scythe is 100 times cooler than a regular scythe. At least twice as cool. Exactly. So the Death Scythe in Gundam Wing has always probably been my single favorite. But And the reason I thought of this question is that I was finally able to get the Blu-ray set of Armored Trooper Votoms. That's V-O-T-O-M-S for those of you. Go to writestuff.now and grab it. And the design of those, that's more military style, is the armored tanks in Votoms are fantastic. Like They're very military more style. It's more like equipment than a style, but it, like, it just looks so cool. There's a design to how mechanical stuff, especially armored ro- suits, robots, technology, like futuristic technology looks in 80s and 90s anime when you had to hand draw it and shade it. It just looks so much better than it looks now. And that's just to me. Obviously, that's a completely subjective opinion. And obviously, if I had grown up later, I might not you know, prefer that as much. But the way that this, like, especially when you draw stuff like armored suits, fighting suits, flying tanks, things of that nature back then, to me, just looks so much cooler. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreed. There's a lot of, uh, like, 90s mechs just looked the best. Just, like, the amount of intricate detail they got into all the cell animation mechs is just, frankly, insane. And it made for a lot of memorable ones. Like, no one here mentioned the the Tacoma from Ghost in the Shells. I, I guess they're not really mechs you enter. No, Tacoma is, is a mech. You can get inside and pilot it. Yeah, I guess. Um, but, um, yeah, it's like Pat Wavers looked amazing, even though I don't think the, the designs themselves are particularly interesting. It's just Pat Labor, like, uh, Appleseed. Yeah, there's there's a lot of mechs that really benefited from the cell. And, and I really do think that is the aesthetic that mecha shows should go for. As good as some of the CGI ones look, like like some of the later code geasses um and um and and some of Muv loves like the 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 times where they actually put in some budget looked very good um and but as good as the 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 CGIs can look and as fluid as that action can be there's there's really nothing that matches the intricate detail of of the machinery in in those old mechas yeah, so I think that's it, unless anybody's got something else. Nope. 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 Anybody want to argue with me about whether 80s anime was better? <laughs> it Good. wasn't. We all agree. And Mud Love sucks. Anyway. There we go. Now, I, I, the, the show has been fine. Obviously, I've it's never read. Agonizing. The... It's it's so close to being actually good. And it's serviceable. It's fine. Like it's I, I'm fine. enjoying it reasonably well. The the whole coup thing was interesting. Yeah. But uh, I, I just feel like you can't, you'll never be able to do a perfect adaptation because you, you'd have to do everything and they, they'll never do the whole story from start to finish. Yeah. So keep suffering, Muv Love fans. 
Extra was fun, but Extra was also boring as hell. I kind of enjoyed Schwarzmargen, honestly, if I'm being honest. Like, uh, it was ridiculous, I, but it was fun. I really wish that um, they they took some of the, the other side stories. Like, Schwarzmargen is fun. I don't I have no idea why they did Total Eclipse of all things. That was one of my least favorite side stories. But, like, I Total Eclipse was like, boring as hell. It was hella boring. But I really wish they did, like, the day out. Well, the day after really is you need the previous stuff. But, like, Chicken Divers is one of my favorites. Just just because of the amount of... I, I think if they made OVAs of that, it'd be really good. And it's already Ch- short. Chicken in, Divers? Yeah, yeah, Chicken Divers. Yeah, I can't imagine why they wouldn't want to sell chicken that. Divers. It's so good, though! Like, Luigi, would you watch a show if I said, here, you should watch Chicken Divers? You know, honestly, I probably would. We know who I am. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Milton loved Chicken Divers. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. I have been Requiem. They have been Dr. Kev. Bye. And uh, Ray Kaze. Hello and bye-bye. And the Mama Luigi. Bye. This has been a powerful collaborative effort that I appreciate it. And remember, an open mind is a door to a multiverse that is worthy of appreciation. Never say the words multiverse ever again. Now, multiverse is where the money is, man. Powerful. Anyway, bye. 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 Bye.